Unreal. Uncensored. Unradio. Cliffcentral.com. Well, good morning and um, welcome again to the Health Hour. My name is Dr. Cindy Fansail at Doc Cindy, D-O-C-S-I-N-D-I on Twitter. And this morning I have three great guests in studio. Um, we're talking about a topic that's very close to my heart. It's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a field I work in. We're speaking about HIV and I have Tepo and Lebu and Yvette in studio and they're here just to share with us what it's like living with HIV. And I think, you know, if you have any questions, if you have anything that you want to know, you can tweet us at cliffcentral.com. You can tweet me at DocCindy. They'll give out their Twitter handles. But this is the, you know, the opportunity and the platform to ask all the questions that you've ever wanted to ask. So thank you so much, guys, for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Especially on an early Sunday, early Sunday, early Monday morning. <laughs> <laughs> you see, when my brain is still stuck <laughs> to yesterday. Let's start off with Yvette. Yvette, I mean, you've been an activist for many years. And I think what, what really attracted to me, attracted me to you initially was your fearlessness. You know, I love the way you, you, you know, you speak about living with HIV. You take no prisoners. You know, where did that come from? That, that passion, that fearlessness, where did it all begin? Uh, thanks, Cindy. I think with me, it was all about nobody's here to protect me, so I need to protect myself. And when I was diagnosed early, I think it was 2000, 2001, I almost like went into a cocoon and did not want to live. But then everything changed the minute I accepted that actually Girl, you have HIV, you did nothing wrong, and you have to live. You have to live for your kids. My daughter was about a year old at that time when I found out I was HIV positive, and I needed to make tough decisions, you know. So it's just knowing and understanding that nobody is going to do this. I had to do it myself. And so you basically went into survival mode in a way. Yes, survival mode, and also... Uh, around that time, so many people were dying around me, you know, and nobody was saying what it was. And I wanted to, you know, just scream and say, stop it. So many of us are going through this and you're hiding why people are dying or you're hiding why the silence about HIV, around HIV was not helping. So I decided to speak out and yeah, for the first time when I actually spoke about my status was in a boardroom with 80 people. Uh, and I was supposed to organize World AIDS Day and I decided, okay, I'm not going to pay anyone to say, come here and tell us they're HIV positive when I know I was HIV positive and I disclosed at work in front of my colleagues. I hadn't even told my parents. I hadn't told my mom. I hadn't told my sister or dad. But I think why I decided to disclose at work was because I was so much of my time was at work and I could hear my colleagues saying mean things about people who've lost mm. weight, people who, you know, are just gray or whatever was happening at the time with stigma. And I, I wanted to shut them up because I, every time they said something, it hurt me. And it's like, it's, like, it's like a stab in the heart. I think I feel the same way when I hear people saying like really illogical things about HIV, you know, and my whole thing is, you don't know who around you is HIV infected. Mm. You need to think about what you're saying. Yes. For all you know, your own mother 
mm-hmm. you're living with in your house is HIV infected, and she won't tell you because of the stuff that keeps coming out of your out of your mouth. Yes, mm-hmm. and and a lot of people don't take uh, notice of that. I mean, uh, in the early days, I needed to educate my mom as well mm-hmm. to say, "Mommy, you don't say that." And only later, after I disclosed, did she understand why I was like so on a path of teaching my family how to talk about HIV and how to react and speak about HIV because my mom would say no uh, careful don't go around so and so because they've got HIV and I was like mm, mm-hmm. how would you feel mommy if somebody says stay away from your daughter their kids must stay away from your daughter so yeah it was tough but somebody needed to do it at the time because I felt communities we were so high up there mm-hmm. and communities were really the ones struggling living with HIV and it's a day-to-day thing it's not something in the textbooks in uh, research reports it's something that people have to live with day to day yeah that is so profound and um, Libu, how did you find out that you were HIV infected? Um, I found out on the 15th of August, 2009. What happened is um, the guy I was dating at the time had heard um, gossip that I dated someone who passed on from the virus. Mm. And I had known that the guy was positive, but I didn't go get tested because of the ignorance, thinking that I needed to look a certain way to be HIV positive. I needed to look skinny and whatnot and whatnot. So on the 15th of August, um, we were having sexual intercourse and the condom burst and I think this guy was thinking yo kind of they warned me about this person so we went to go get tested and I found out I was HIV positive and I was still very ignorant because I was not seeing signs because I thought I had to look a certain way for me to be HIV positive mm-hmm. and it took me quite some time to actually even accept Hore I'm HIV positive or to even say I'm HIV positive. Mm. Yeah. And in terms of in terms of the information that you got from the health workers, I mean mm-hmm. who did you speak to? What did they say? Did you feel the information was adequate? Were you scared? I I was very scared and I think information was mostly not even health workers because I went to um a new new start and good new start they counseled us and whatnot and then I didn't even want to know anything about it because in my mind I was not HIV positive until I found out that I was pregnant. Now that's when I I, I was told, look, you're pregnant now and you carrying a child with you and you need to protect this child. But then it was protocol, you know. Sometimes I think we do things because it's protocol and you are told do this because you're not going to die. So when everyone was telling me, if you're going to take the ARVs, the child will come out early negative. If you take ARVs, you are going to survive type of thing. So I was thinking, okay, I don't want to die number one and I wouldn't want my baby to be born HIV positive. But then I was doing all of this because I'm trying to prevent what not and what not. But then I didn't fully understand what HIV was, number one. I didn't mm. fully understand what was happening to my body. I didn't even know what the medication that I'm drinking is. I was mm. just doing it because I'm told if you do this, you'll prevent that. Mm. And and I see this a lot with, with our program. I mean, if, I'm sure you know this. Africa has got the biggest um, ARV program in the world. Mm. And I mean, at the moment, in terms of HIV and pregnancy, we're sitting at the stats of like 30%, you know, one in three um, um, pregnant women is HIV infected. So because there's so many of them in the system, mm. we... A lot of our healthcare is just that. Take this medication for the sake of your baby and so on. And no one's really explaining. Mm -mm. And this is where my blog is. I think this is the reason why my blog is still so busy because Mm. people get home from the clinic, they've got these tablets and they don't really understand what is tribus, what is atroza, why am I taking cotrimoxazole? And that's why my blog is still so busy. And the pamphlets are really not a great help because Mm. I still feel most pamphlets really scare people because you still see a skinny person coughing out this 
and you still see just scary pictures, you know, of people that are very, very, very sick. Mm. And, and, and that scares patients. It, it still scares me today when I look at that. I'm like, uh, and, you know, and that's, and that's so far from the truth because that's only a very small portion of people exactly who, are who even like that. gets there. Mm. That's mm. the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Tepo? Um, my case is different from the rest. Eh? Yeah. Um, how I found out about my status is basically, um, I was actually born with it. Mm. Um, my mother passed away in 2000. And, um, when she passed away, I, you know, basically I didn't know what was going on. So I was affected with TB. Mm. Then I was admitted in hospital because of that. So I only knew later on that I was actually, uh, actually positive and I was born with it. So that really got to my attention whereby, okay, I'm now following my mother's footsteps because um, she passed away and, you know, I didn't know what was happening. It was like one of those family secrets that was behind, you know. Back in the day, um, HIV stigma was a lot. And, um, yeah, that's how I found out about my status. But right now, you know, I'm doing well for myself. And, and your family, <laughs> who eventually told you that you were HIV positive and you're, that you were born with it? You know, um... Good thing that I got a very good doctor. Uh, doc, uh, my doctor was um, Dr. Fansale. Mm. Um, she actually sat my aunt down. She sat n- me down. And she told my status at the same time. Yeah. And your reaction? Did you understand what HIV was? Did, it, did any of it make sense to you? Yo, you know, back then, TV was one of those causes of, you know, how many people got affected? How many people died? The messaging, no? the messaging on social media and platforms was something else back then. So, it was just a whirlwind for you. Yeah, because now as a young person, you know, sometimes you, I was, I used to be one of those people who used to stigmatize people or who were living positive because, you know, I thought it, it's not going to get to me, but mm. I was actually living with it, but I did not know about my status back then. Mm. And in terms of, um, oh, yeah. LOS, I always come back to the subject at school. Did you do LOS at school? The life orientation skills? Yeah. Okay. What did they teach you about HIV at school? Well, nothing basically. Um, because um, for me, I find um, that our education system is not up to standard when, com- when it comes to health. Because I, I'm fighting for a case where they can be able to create a, a, a subject just for health issues. But our government systems are not, you know, they're not actually looking at into it. It's like they taking young. They really want to do things for themselves, but not for young kids. Yeah, because I still feel that the biggest thing that's missing is just a, a holistic approach to HIV. In that you can get HIV from unprotected sexual intercourse. You can get mm, HIV mm. from, you know, you know, mm. a blood. You can get HIV from the kids that are born with it, mother-child yeah. transmission. If we only focus on the sexual component, how do you then explain? HIV infection to a child who got it from from mm. mother's child transmission, you know, and I think that that's probably what was missing when you found out that you were HIV infected. And it it looks like we are from my side we're the forgotten ones. Mm. Yes. Why am I saying the forgotten ones? They only look at people who affected, but not people who are born with it. Because it's like we the people that just put us there in the corner. Mm. Have you ever heard of a thing when they said? The only on the on medias like TVs and stuff, they only talk about people who are mm-hmm. affected by um, sleeping with people. That's the messaging that they come across. Mm. When you ask a person in the streets, how can you get affected by HIV? They'll tell you, no, you get it by not using protection. Mm-hmm. And that's not the only way. Yeah. yeah. They never look at us like, you know, they don't want to take us seriously. I don't that's know true. why. 
Yeah, that's, that's yeah. true. I, 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 I totally want to agree with Tepa that even in our policies and the activism, uh, I always fight with my fellow activists to say, please include children living with HIV. I myself uh, am looking after four or five young people, and that's how I met Tepo, who were born with HIV, as as somebody who always looked after. And I, uh, during the times of Tabumbeki and Mantu, a lot of people died with HIV. And at that time, there was no access to, you know, PMTCT, no access to Navarropine, and a lot of young kids were born with HIV. And one of the big things that my friends always used to ask me is, Yvette, because I had access to treatment, and I still thank my daughter, doctor, I will talk to you a little bit about that. But all my friends were saying was, Yvette, please just be a mom to mom our kids, you know, just look after our kids. And I have a few, like I said, and these young people, I I can imagine without me, where would they hear their HIV positive? And my girls, they strong women, like they, they know how to defend themselves. They know how to talk about their status. Uh, one of them is in matric this year and she she she's not shy about it but she always feels that there's no space for her mm. in community in the field of HIV in activism where she can participate meaningfully and i think that's something that we need to look up to at and we need people like Seppo to come in and speak about it and say, you know what, there is a space for us and we want to do this as children who were born with HIV and there's we want to take up that space. And, and the thing is, Amona, as you've mentioned, I mean, during the time of, of um, um, Tabo and Mando, um, there was a gap, right? And those, the kids that were born at that time are now entering the system as 15-year-olds, right? And we are now dealing with children who've been living with their grandparents or other mm. caregivers. Not, there must now be disclosure. Mm. And the child is brought to Dr. Cindy, and now Dr. Mm. Cindy must now break the news and so on. It is the toughest thing to explain to someone that you've been taking this medication for 15 mm. years and this is actually what the medication is for. Coupled with the gap in information around mother-to-child mm. transmission. And this child is saying, but wait, I've never had sex. I've had, this, mm. I've had this happen to me so many times, you guys, where I must now explain mother-to-child transmission and not, your mom has passed away and now you're thinking your mom gave you HIV. It's just, it's a whirlwind. It's a mess. Yes, and, and, I, and I think people don't understand the damage Amantu and Tabo uh, did because... Families are now not wanting to speak about these kids who were born with HIV mm. because of that stigma. And older people are left with that burden, you mm. know. I have people in my own circles who have withdrawn from bringing my friends because this child is turning 19. This person goes everywhere with this child trying to, you know, not get this child to find out they're HIV positive. Oh. When are you going to tell this young person they're HIV positive? When are you going to start le- letting this child live and accept there's nothing wrong with HIV? Mm. But some of these kids do not know why, you know, why they're HIV positive And it's very heartbreaking. Mm, it is, and in terms of disclosure, if it's your disclosure is diff is difficult. I mean, yeah. <laughs> what what I mean, what tips would you have? What tips do you have? What do you say? Uh, I I think it's just different for for everyone. Yeah. First of all, assess your situation. I mean, mine was like a little bit warped. I yeah. disclosed at work, and when I did disclose to my mom, I told her I'm taking ARVs, and she's like. 
ARVs, you know, and I did it my way, how I felt comfortable with it. I used to walk around with my daughter doing talks in the townships and churches. So she understood what HIV was through that. But I think the hardest part is disclosing your HIV status in relationships. And oh. that's the big, mm. big one. Mm. You know, you're not so much scared of family, but <laughs> getting in a relationship and having to tell someone you're HIV positive is a tough one. Very but tough. I use it to basically just sift out all the nonsense. So <laughs> if I feel <laughs> this dude is not up to standard or girl, I would say, you know what? I'm HIV positive or to make it better. Like I've got AIDS. So like The real person would stay around You know and uh, You disclose on the first date No no, I tell the dudes to google me honey Yeah Like if it becomes uncomfortable I'm like let me not go through that. Please just Google Yvette Raphael. Mm. I, th- I know the first thing will come up is 15 Boom. years living with HIV. So it makes <laughs> it so much easier. And the reaction? Me. Like really, what is, what is the reaction like? I mean, I always advise people how to disclose, but I'm never there mm-hmm. when it happens. Uh, some of the reactions can be heartbreaking, you know, when it's okay when you don't like the person. You know, when it's like learning to love the person. But when you're all into, mm. you know, the... Gareth Cliff kind of dude and you're like oh I like him I like him and shame when you say you're HIV positive it just all goes away it's it's heartbreaking so I've learned to you know do it on the first date and also you, you just guard my heart a bit so yeah. I see how, where it goes and yeah and it serves out all the bad guys you know bad <laughs> girls so I get to date people who are really into it and will understand me because I'm a fierce activist and mm. <laughs> people need to be able to deal with my openness about HIV so I've disclosed to you but that doesn't mean that I might not slip up when we're in a family meeting so I might mm. just Call your mom to order when she talks bad Bad about about it. So, so, so 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 that's, that's where I am at. So it's difficult for people to date me, not for me to date them. Mm. And Lebu, disclosure, relationships, dating. <laughs> I feel exactly the same, the same way Yvette does. It's very difficult, especially when you're very interested in the guy. But I also do the same thing. Like I use it to get away those I don't like. But I've also learned to sort of, well, I've made a choice now to only um, date people that are HIV positive, And that's because of the experiences that I've had. And if a negative one comes, fine, he comes. But then... Yo, the dating part is difficult. I've been hurt so many times to a point whereby I also do the same thing. Like on the first, when you've, not even first date, before you take my number or you ask me out, I kind of like tell you, hey, dude, nomzala, which I call HIV omzala, you know? Mm. And, and I think for me, it's best before any, Interaction, any emotions are arise and everything. Yes, I might have a crush on you and whatnot, but then if we get that out of the way, and look, I think most of the time people will reject you because of um, lack of information, ignorance, and ignorance. It's not because they don't want to be with you. Yeah, I know. Um, a guy was like, "Oh, but I'm scared. What if you get sick and everything? What am I gonna do?" You know, and it was up to me to actually educate them. I'm not just going to fall sick, Justin J, you know, exactly. because I'm looking after myself and whatnot. Some people are really scared. And I think they're also scared of being stigmatized themselves. Mm. Because if automatically you seen with Labohan Koro's bank, it means Luena, you are HIV positive mm. type of thing. Mm. I think it's, it's, it's that. And it's just for us to educate 
the people we, we come across because you would think that people know about HIV and they actually don't they know. Don't, yeah. And they know what they choose to know. And some just have too much information and just have some, some just have too little information and it's up to us then to educate. But yeah, dating, mm, but I have a boyfriend and I'm happy. Is he, so you're saying you, you only now want to date guys that are HIV positive yes. themselves. So where do you find them? Like people don't walk around saying, hey. Well, I think with me, because we're so open about it. Yeah. You get someone on Facebook call inbox you and say, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm doing uh. a positive <laughs> type of thing. But I, 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 sometimes when you start speaking about your status first, the next person will also disclose. That's true. We do it meet people that are easier. HIV positive, but some and don't talk about it. Yeah. It's, they, they, but they, they definitely, oh, they, yeah, definitely. And yeah. a lot of them. And, and there's hot ones like Tulam Kize. <laughs> Oh, he's married, <laughs> but yeah, he's hot. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, Tepo, relationships? Well, I think it's much better telling the person on before you get too serious with the person. Mm. Because once you get serious, you actually forget that. Uh, you forget about um, telling the person that you're positive. Mm. Because most of the time, you're more attracted to the guy with the feelings and all that than... Then you're forgetting about you've got a very important thing, a big secret that you have to tell your partner. And what if the guy is like only one after one thing? If a, if you disclose to a person and he runs goes away, that means that person did not love you the mm-hmm. first time. Mm-hmm. So if he discloses and he stays, that means that person is going to be with you through thick and thin. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like getting married. You know, and they mm-hmm. say for better, for better, for worse. So. And that's how it goes. For me, it's like, you know, I tell you on the first go, hey, listen. This is a situation. This is a situation. No, but sorry. now most people these days actually mix HIV and AIDS. You know, AIDS, they mix HIV, then they mix AIDS with the, you know, they think it's the same thing. And it's not. It's and not. it's not. So they think, oh, you know, you, you've got AIDS. Mm-hmm. You're a tracker. You're tracking. <laughs> you know? sure. So... That's how it is, you know, but you know how young people react on that. Mm. Yeah. Well, we'll be back and we'll be chatting more about, about disclosure. And I also specifically want to speak about that first sexual date. What, you know, when does the issue of condoms come up? What do you discuss and so on? I am the future of South Africa. On my shoulders, I carry the hopes and dreams of generations to come. I'm eager to learn, but even more eager to use my knowledge for good. I know that it's not where I come from, but where I'm going to that really matters. At Sibanya Gold, we believe our youth is worth its weight in gold, which is why we are so committed to developing, nurturing, and grooming our young people into future leaders. Sibanya Gold, we are one. Unreal, uncensored, unradio. Clipcentral.com. Well, we're back with um, Yvette, Lebu, and Seppo, and we're busy discussing HIV. And these guys are fantastic because they're living with HIV, and they're really giving us an account of, of what it's like to be living with HIV, especially, you know, in this day and age of dating. That's a very interesting terrain. You know, we've spoken about disclosure. The condom issue. Do you always have condoms in your bag, Yvette? Uh, yes, Dr. Cindy. I always carry a condom because um, my decision to... Use condoms were like long time ago. Like I was infected by somebody who knew their HIV status. They, he was actually just scared that I would leave him. So when I found out I was HIV positive, I said, I will not make like Eugene Koza said, little HIV babies running around with my name on it. And I've never infected somebody. And, uh, since the day I knew I was HIV positive, I made a decision 
to use condoms. So, you know, guys come up with stories like, mm. uh, okay, condoms too small. I'm allergic to latex. latex yeah. And it's not, it's not myths. These guys mm. say that. And I just said, okay, so I'm allergic to sperm. Straight and simple. <laughs> like, mm. I'm mm. allergic to sperm. So, <laughs> yeah, we gotta have to use a condom. So that was a decision very early on. But also, to just stand up for at the time for young people and HIV has so so progressed HIV research has so progressed yeah. that we need to understand the reason why HIV prevention messages and we need to, need to stop hiding some of the information and I think it's so unfair of policymakers to hide information the benefits of taking your ARVs it's not just around staying healthy but the benefits of Reinfection, infection, well, yeah, and how healthy, low viral load, uh, low mm. vi- no viral load doesn't mm. mean you're not HIV positive, mm. but it just means that your chances of infecting somebody is so low, but we need to know these things. And I think since I started learning about HIV, I decided that I would, you know, go deeper. I would not just take Cindy's word for it. Exactly. I will read up. I basically love a wealth of knowledge in, and information oh, and you so decide much. what works for yeah. you. And I think that's a lot that we can't get to is that people think they need to prescribe what people need to do. However, I'm living with HIV and the song was so nice. It reminded me that I needed to make decisions on what works for mm. me, you know. That's so real. That is so real, Yvette. Yeah. And Lebo, when condoms. condoms? Me, I'm not having sex. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not having sex. Okay. Me? No, well, I, um, I do use condoms when I'm sexually active. I'm just not sexually active right At the now. Moment, yeah. Um, but it's syllable. I've decided to stop a little bit, but that was just something that I, 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 it was a personal decision that I made. Yeah. I just felt, Hore, I just need to just stop a little bit. But when I do, I'll definitely, because I just feel this is one of the, this is, I don't have a choice. It's mm-hmm. not like I can say I, I can or I don't want to or whatever, but I'll definitely use condoms and I'll encourage everyone mm-hmm. to use condoms. You know, whether you're HIV positive, HIV negative, I just think condoms should be something that we normalize, um, in, in communities, because there's really nothing else that can protect us until we get your Trivada and your PrEP. So PrEP is a real issue. I mean, PrEP is something that's <coughs> out there. And we know that we've done research on PrEP, pre-exposure prophylaxis. Where yes. you, take, you take ARVs before you go out there and, you know, hopefully it will prevent you from, from you know, acquiring the virus. Yeah. So they did a lot of the research on, on gay men. Mm-hmm. And um, they're still thinking about whether we should do give PrEP to the general public. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just a few issues around PrEP is that it has to be taken consistently and it has to be taken correctly. So mm-hmm. this Truvada tablet has to be taken every day or whatever tablet we're going to use. It mm-hmm. has to be yes. taken every day. Yeah. And the other thing as well, they want us to... They, they would want to assess your risk. So they're not going to give it to everybody. They want to know what lifestyle are you leading? Yeah. Are you at high risk for HIV for acquisition or not? Yeah. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of issues that, mm. that, that we've had, um, you know, with the gay community. We're learning a lot from them and how they're responding to PrEP. So it's not a, it's not a blanket answer for everybody. It, it mm. works. It does work. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of other things that have to be in place. So I don't know. Yes, what do you uh, think? I think for me with PrEP is, 
give people choices. Mm-hmm. Like I say, please do not force stuff around our throats. We mm-hmm. ha- we we know. First of all, you know, prep works. However, demonstration studies are still happening in South exactly, Africa. Yeah. And uh, I, I just got a very nice email to say, you know what, we're working on the guidelines for women and young yeah. women in South Africa because mm. they are at higher risk. Yeah. But we we need to understand that we're not saying it's a condom or the pill or we are saying assess that risk mm. and you choose and you decide. And you're right. People need to keep their drink a dear to, to prep and also understanding when you're dating somebody who's HIV positive, that person also needs to continue taking the ARVs and be adherent. Mm-hmm. And adherence is a tough part. I mean, I know from taking ARVs for the 15 years when my doctor uh, decided for me to go on treatment, I was like, test and treat. When he tested me, he said, Yvette, your viral load is like Sky in the high. millions yeah. and your CD4 count is 350. And I decided to start ARVs immediately. And I know, I can see the benefits because I never got sick with AIDS. I never got, I never get all kinds of funny illnesses because the, my virus is un- under control and mm-hmm. I keep it that way by taking my ARVs. I keep my ARVs everywhere so that I don't forget. But there was no treatment back in 2001, Yvette. So where did you get the treatment from? It dis- Discovery. It discovery. And I was lucky. The nurse that was so evil to me and told, telling me <laughs> when I was going to die, she actually showed me to a doctor, Dr. Montembe. I want to just give a shout out to yeah. him. He's still doing work. But Dr. Montembe, actually, when I walked in there, I was so, so scared, Cindy, that I needed to start working on my will. I had just, my, my daughter was about a year, two years lucky old. Speaking. And I was like, what's going to happen to me? And he's like, do you see all of these people here? They came in wheelchairs, they came in stretchers, they came in all, but they all on medical aid and they can access treatment. So if you decide to take treatment now, you, you don't have to come in in a stretcher. Mm-hmm. And I will never forget that doctor because I, I never got sick. And, and I think that's what also gave me the courage is because when I looked at myself after a year, I was like, hmm, this is what it feels like to be healthy and normal and, and why I dedicated my life to, you know, work in HIV and work And with making sure that everyone else then got a chance to get access to Yes, treatment. I do it. That was hard, no? I do it. I slept out on the street with the other activists for people to get access because every single day when I went to my community, uh, Buma Tembisa and Ivory Park, I could see, I visited people whose families who just put out the plate like they do for a dog outside mm. the door of the Zozo Mukuku and not want to, to go in and give the person the food. So I knew what it would mean if people would get ARVs and if people start taking the ARVs and it was just said that I could take it and that's why I made the stupidest, stupidest commitment to my friends that I will look after your kids. And Although I say stupid, it's so fulfilling. You know when what I'm saying? It was, it's so ambitious. Like my family looks at me, and December I have close to ten kids in my house. You know, and my house is very humble. It's not the big house, but I have so many kids that give me just pure joy mm-hmm. just to see them around me and growing up and telling me, me their stories of the year, of the term, and just bragging about their results. And I know I'm contributing positively to the community. Wow, that's amazing. Um, sure, that's, that is definitely amazing. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, it, it's so good to hear you speaking about this because, as I said, there's such a gap. I think in 2015, people don't really know 
what happened back then. Mm. I don't think they understand. And I also think that maybe the really relaxed attitude around HIV now is because we're not seeing people dying like they used to. And I don't even know if, if, if having billboards with really sick people would even help. Like, no. what do we need to, to create awareness? I think we, we need a, a new face to HIV. And I get a new face is we need to, we, we need to, and I don't want to say rebrand HIV. Sorry. Well, actually, maybe that's the right thing we, to say. We, Okay, well, we banned HIV, but then I get a new face. I think we need to start telling positive stories. Mm-hmm. Um, we still get documentaries to this day or around World AIDS Day. You'll mm. see and, and mm. they go to your bundus and they, they interview people there. Yes, they come interview us, but we need real positive stories where your Labohang who's 25 stays wherever in Parktown, works in Santon, just lives a normal life. That's the kind of stories we need because if we're still going to be concentrating on your Eastern Capes and Guazulu Natal in terms of documentary and storytelling, we're still defeating a purpose of a positive and the new face of HIV because really it's 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 really changed. Mm. It's 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 not like it was when Auntie Yvette was toy toying on the streets and everything. We have a whole new face to HIV and that's what people need to know. And we need to like get away from those sick pictures. Not not everyone gets sick. She hasn't been yeah. sick. The 15 years, you know, we need to start and having more people share their stories and having more positive stories to share. Because even when you're positive, you have your struggles and being real. Look, I am positive, but I have my days when I wake up and I'm like, no, I don't want to be HIV positive. Mm. I have my days when I stare at my tablets and I'm thinking, I don't want to take this. It's not like I'm I'm the hero and everything, but we need to be real about our stories. This is what's happening. Yes, I'm positive, but I've got my downfalls and everything. But the fact is I stand up, you know. And continue. Um, I just want to add on level here, and um, I think it's formally of how we advertise our our stories, basically on that. Because when you look at it, most of the things that were done back then was done on social media and stuff. Why cannot we do it the same way? Just the, like the same way we did it when the bad messaging was across on HIV people. And the self-marketing that we have on these days is just totally, I would say, nonsense. Because <laughs> you'll see a poster there, in enlargement penises, um, how to get HIV out of your systems and stuff. Is that the formal way how we market our um, uh, our health system? Mm-hmm. It's not a way, like we need to go back to the drawing board and saying, how can we um, get the message across Not those pamphlets Where you always have to Give someone to the streets Like you know That's actually The wrong way of advertising I think for me The hardest thing is that um, The more we see this, this this myth of HIV only affecting Black people Eastern Cape KZN mm-hmm. All those areas We're actually pushing People's blind spots Because then you have Clusters of society That think that HIV Can't happen to them so or you know the Muslim community or whoever who think no no it's it's not for us it's all the black people and so on. Do you know how dangerous that actually is? Yeah, I I I, I totally want to agree with you there, Cindy. And it's a lot of a lot of it goes that there's no support. What happens is if a community is as you know, excluded from the messaging is there's no support for those kind of people. And I'm coming from that uh, background where I could not find when I was diagnosed somewhere in Madrid, Kovonaveli, where I could go, you know, and just speak about my status. That's why I had to go to Ivory Park, Butembisa and find friends. And that is the hardest thing. I, I like you, I, 
am on Facebook and Twitter a lot and a lot of my messages come from people who don't know where to get support. And I'm like, uh, your clinic. And they're like, I don't have, my clinic doesn't have the service event. I can't find a TAC person, a Napua person or anybody in my clinic that can help me. And I think we, we need to stop doing that. And also I, I want to go to Lebo and Tepo's point that I want us never to forget where we come from with HIV because it can happen again. Denialism, denialism is such a bad thing and we can, we need to always remember. I, I hear, almost feel like Abuzaki are my heroes. TAC as an organization I protect with my heart. Napua the same because Positive Women's Network, all those spaces were spaces where I could find a place where people like me, but were having huge Big struggles would just support me and be there for me. So, um, yeah, we, we, we should never forget where we come from with HIV because that would let, uh, allow us to let our guard down and we will continue having this denialism with things. Right now, we have a lot of denialism with research and what the research is about. Do we give it? I have people still saying PrEP is toxic and I'm Wait a minute, read up, read up and let people, or those who need it, let them have access to it. Mm. Because we all know how difficult it is for to be HIV positive. Yeah. No, it's true, Lebu. I mean, and, and in, the, in your circles, Lebu, your friends, mm-hmm. are they testing regularly? You know, the ones that are HIV um, negative, what, what, what's going on there? I, um, my friends say they test regularly, but I always find the one who'll come and say, your friend, I, I messed up, you know, I did one, two, three, but I always tell them, Hore, but you guys can't, looking at me, you can't really be making such, um, stupid decisions, you know, and, and I always, I'm, I'm, I always told my friend, if any of y'all come to me and say HIV positive, I'm walking. <laughs> That's not fair. Like I'll walk just for that, you know, five days, Nyana, and then I'll come back after. Because I, I'm so open about my status and mm. all that, and I feel that I should be an example. They, they mustn't get themselves in the same shoes, you know. And 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 I won't walk away forever, but know, just just sort of, um, barring a tough love type of thing. Mm. But then my friends are. They say they're having safe sex. I don't know because I'm not with them, but that's what they're saying, and I hope they are doing it. But, yeah, I just hope that they don't find themselves in the shoes that I'm in because, like, Auntie Yvette is saying, it, it's not easy being HIV positive. How did your mom um, react, I mean, when you when you disclosed to her, your mother? My mom, my mom, you know, um, when I was in primary school. Because I know school, you're an only child, right? Yeah, no, 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 no. Oh, you're not. An, no, oh, I'm not okay. the only child. I'm the last born of oh, three yeah, girls. Oh, yeah, yeah. I knew that you're the yeah. baby or something. I'm the yeah. baby. <laughs> yeah. So my mom had an opportunity of of looking after someone who really was sick, you know, due to HIV related illnesses, and I'm more. Like she was literally looking after the child, bathing the person and doing all these things. I'm a pimpa and everything because the family had rejected. had rejected her. She was like a next door neighbor. So she would go there and do all these things. And because of the certain guy I dated, my mom knew about him and people knew he died from HIV related um, illnesses because he later revealed in the media he was going around spreading the virus and whatnot. So my mom was sort of like... Waiting for me to come home and say, Ma, I'm HIV positive. Oh, you know, it wasn't such a big bombshell for her. Oh, she's yeah. support, she's my number one fan. Even the talks I go to, she's always there with me. I know, I met her. She's, she's my, she's her. my number one fan. Like she's, she's awesome. I, I was very lucky. Not everyone Has gets such support, support system, because yeah. everyone in my family supports her from back home. Everyone is so supportive that 
it's it's amazing. I haven't gotten a family member who's on a unless they're doing it secretively. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I just have the greatest support ever. My my support structure is the reason I'm who I am today. And yeah, exactly. And it shows. I think yeah. it shows, that's why you're able to speak so openly and try and help other people yeah. because no one in your family is threatening to reject no, you. No, so not on, at all. You know? Not at all. No. They support me so much. Like I love them to bits. And Tipo, your decision to speak out and to and to help other people. Where did that come from? Well. <laughs> Me and we started together. together. <laughs> oh, I see. And we're still and doing this. Oh. Um, it was 2011. It was 2012. 12. Because I was sick 2011, 2012. Gosh, I'm getting oh. old. <laughs> <laughs> um, it all, uh, we started at a hospital called Right to Care. Mm. And um, basically what we did is like no one wanted to come out. So there were newspapers and stuff that came to us. And, and they wanted people who were living positive. Then me and Lewis said, oh, what the heck, let's just do it. Mm. And uh, it just started growing. We thought, no, it was just going to be newspapers. And, <laughs> and that was it, you know. And we started like, you know, people no- started notifying us from different organizations, wanted to work with us. And it started growing to what it is right now. I think I need to remind her of our first time we ever spoke in Limpopo. Yeah. Um, our doctor had asked us to go teach these um kids about HIV and AIDS. So on our drive to Limpopo, I'm like, Tepo, what's the use of getting there and teaching these kids got HIV but not talk about our own personal experience? And I'm like, I think it just defeats the purpose. I'm like, Tepo, now I'm going to tell them that I'm HIV positive. And we got to Limpopo and we, we were teaching the kids, obviously, the basics of HIV and AIDS and whatnot. And we, we disclosed and we got such a, such a good, such a good response. And the kids would come to us and say, Oh my God, I have an aunt at home who's dying. Can you please give her a call and things like that? And then after that, we just got invites and invites and invites and that's how it grew. But when we started, there were still tears because mm. we'd still be crying on stage and going, hmm, I'm HIV positive. But then I think the more we grew and the more we learned about the virus, the more we got the courage to say, hey, genom zala, and that's that. Wow, that's awesome. And Yvette? Uh, first of all, I must say I'm very proud of these two. I had an opportunity to meet them long time ago and I was just in awe with their guts and they were different. They were like, I met them about five, ten, somewhere years after my own diagnosis and I was like, these guys are so courageous. I just wanted to support them. But also, you know, when there's one thing that I want us to not to forget is the importance of staying on your ARVs. You know, mm-hmm. I think in, in the communities that I work in and it's this thing that once people are feeling better because they've been taking ARVs for a mm-hmm. year, two years, the worst thing you can do is to stop your treatment. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you go and the CD4 count, I mean, the viral load is undetectable. Some confuse it. I even went to a show on one radio station where the guy was undetectable and he had confused and lied to the audience the whole show that he was actually HIV negative just to mm. reveal towards the end that it says undetectable. So I think it's important yeah. for people to understand and know that once you're on ARVs, you will feel good. You will be okay. You actually, the quality of your life will improve, but that does not mean that HIV has gone somewhere or that you are now cured. There's a lot of stories of uh, remission, you know, where people actually don't test HIV positive, but a lot of these people are encouraged to continue taking the ARVs. And I think also we must not confuse 
Cindy's situation, with Lebo's situation, with my situation. A lot of information is out there. A lot of uh, knowledge is out there, but decide what's good for you. You know what I'm saying? Make your own choices. And just because I'm not taking ARVs for the, and I've been positive for 15 years, for example, does not mean that it's Lebo's story. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Lebo might get sick much earlier yeah. and she might need treatment. And a, yeah, it's a, I mean, some people are fast progressors. They get yeah. the virus mm. and they get sick quickly. And some people are long-term no, non-progressors yes. and they, they, they get the yes. virus and they stay well for years. We are all different. Yes. I'm just to stress on what Auntie Vete said, I I um, defaulted when I was taking my ARVs and whatnot, and and I thought, okay, fine. For me, it was more of the church thing. I went to church and I was told that I got delivered, which is happening, you know. And because I had not accepted my status, I wanted to hear someone tell me that you are HIV negative, and, and that's what. A lot. And it happened to me, and for six months I was okay and whatnot, and I thought, really, I'm HIV negative, you know. And I got very sick. I was in hospital for six months. I was messing on myself. I was, I was a skeleton. I was in a wheelchair. I was just that nigga you know? And I think what Yvette is saying, it's very important. Just because, because when you take your ARVs, you become undetected and people will confuse it for being HIV negative. And I feel that's why when you go to church and you've been on ARVs for 15 years and you are delivered and then you go to the doctor and you're going to go to a different doctor and you won't go to your doctor. That's what we do. And the doctor will be, you'll say you're HIV negative and that's where you confuse things. I, I don't want Christians to attack me now. I'm very Christian and I'm born again, but I understand my faith with Uncle Uncle and I understand the walk that I have with him. And I think it's something that's between me and him. And I always say that I've been spiritually healed from HIV, but I must take care of my flesh and feed flesh so that it, 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 Leona, it be healthy. So I think people just need to just watch out when it gets to that. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, you know, it's one of the reasons why I don't go to church, but I pray I'm spiritual. Yeah. It's because the same thing that happened to Lebo happened to me. You know, when I wanted, you know, that spiritual feeling, you know, how nice it is in a Bazalani church. You dance, mm. you do all kinds of things. And after just a few years, let's say two, three years in the church, and the pastor realized who I am and what I, my struggles were, were, and he started, you know, Coercing me into saying I am I'm delivered mm. and I'm healed, I, I'm healed. healed and I couldn't do it. And yeah, I no, just you've tweeted about this before, and I just stopped. Stopped. And I think you know, and and and, and you, like, what the the story that you shared for me, you know, really felt like exploitation. There was no other word for it. And I think there's a lot of that. There's, I mean. <sighs> HIV is not an easy diagnosis to live with And I think there are people who are just waiting to take advantage of yeah. that Whether it's people that are selling immune boosters yeah. Or these pills and potions that mm. cure HIV Whether it's churches mm. that are trying to lure people in By saying they can cure HIV. HIV I mean, I'm a Christian as well And I know one thing God does what He wants to do When exactly. He wants to do it yeah. but you, I, I just always feel I always cringe about when a, a pastor or a preacher Stands up and says Everyone with HIV come forward and you'll be oh. healed Like, I just... Mm. And we have I'm an like, example. Here's mm. Yvette. And I'm like, yo, I cannot do I'm this. Yes. You, you, when I, I saw like, your tweets about that, I was, I was so like, shocked. out of that church so yeah, quick yeah, and yes. so fast because I was And you never went back? Ne? Never. Never went back to church because I just think it's a lie. We can see people are eating snakes and mm. leaves and all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like That's coming back to that part when you said um, advertisements. Which we actually looking at something like this, what they're talking about churches. I'm not against any church, but I'm just saying it's the formal way and how we advertise our health systems mm. where you go out and say, um, you are healed, but it's, you're not actually healed. 
Mm. Yeah, well, we need to move away from that. But yeah, thank you so much for being here, guys. I think thank it's you. always so nice to have such an honest and open conversation. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, you must share this podcast with all your people because it's so informative and really so so honest and so raw. I, I love it. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Cindy, and thanks for having us. And Zazi, we're working together on a campaign, Yvette and Lebu. Yes, uh, I mean, uh, it's the Bag It, Use It campaign where we're talking to all young people because of the stigma of carrying a condom as a young person uh, or as a woman. You yeah, know, a woman, lot of yeah. people are seen as being, you know, loose, prostitutes, mm. whatever, mm. sex workers. So we are just going against all of that. So everywhere you go, and if you can, please post a picture of condoms in your bag, condoms in your pocket, you carrying a condom, and telling us why do you think this campaign is so important. Just to you know big ups to the young people and women need to stand up for themselves men are not going to do it for us absolutely the men can also join us though and support us yes. and, and 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 post the picture at the condoms and their partners and you can also um take um a piece of paper and write why you know your strength and then you can like our page um it's zazi and then on um twitter it's at team zazi and then on instagram it's zazi in Dombi, and then you can post your pictures and just hashtag bag it use it thank you so much thank you this is cliffcentral.com